0: Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of his word as we seek to understand his message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, "My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, But it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. It was Alexander Pope who said, To err is human, to forgive divine. That's right, today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And if you're like me, that makes you a little uncomfortable. Forgiveness is difficult. Forgiveness is not something that we enjoy or really want to do. And yet, as we look at the parables that we're going to look at today, and really the entirety of the message of Scripture, forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is essential. Thanks for joining me today on Journey Through the Bible. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 17, Matthew chapter 18, and Luke chapter seven today. We're gonna be looking at three parables, all of which talk about forgiveness. Now, before we dive into the parables, I want to lay some groundwork about just some overarching truths about forgiveness from scripture that we need to understand in order to fully equip ourselves with the message of these parables on forgiveness. Now, the first and perhaps most important message for us as we dwell on forgiveness is that forgiveness, true forgiveness, is possible only through and with God. True forgiveness is only possible through and with God as we look at the old testament there are three words that are used to convey the concept or the idea of forgiveness now i'm not going to attempt to say these hebrew words that would not be good for any of us but there are three words uh, in the old testament for forgiveness the first word is the idea of atonement this this concept that the wrong is being atoned for, the wrong is being paid for, the wrong uh, that justice is being done for the wrong that is committed. The second word in the Old Testament that we find for forgiveness means to lift or to carry. It presents a a vivid picture of sin being lifted from the sinner and carried away, or or wrongdoing being lifted from, from the one who is Doing wrong and carried away. So here in these first two words already we get this scent, this sense of forgiveness of sin or forgiveness of wrongdoing. Is this atonement and it is bearing the penalty of sin. It's taking the sin and it's bearing the penalty of sin. The third word for forgiveness really corresponds with with our modern word for forgiveness. Now, forgiveness throughout the Old Testament was constructed in this way. And, and these four points I want us to get because it's so essential for the message of these parables. Forgiveness through the Old Testament tells us that forgiveness is not innate in nature. It does not come natural. That's why it's hard for us. right? Because forgiveness is not in our nature. What is in our nature is vengeance. What is in our nature is to get back at the one who has done me wrong. What is in our nature is to lash back out at those who have hurt us. Forgiveness is not innate. It is not automatic. It is not within our nature to forgive. Secondly, forgiveness requires atonement or payment. Forgiveness, according to scripture, is not letting off the hook. And that's essential and important for us to remember because that's sometimes why it's so difficult for us to forgive, because we somehow feel that if we forgive them, we're going to let them off the hook. Oh, we, you know, they can't get away with that. You know, justice needs to be done. Well, Scripture tells us, and we'll talk about how this is possible in just a few moments. But forgiveness, according to Scripture, is possible because every act of forgiveness corresponds to a payment that has been made it's not letting off the hook as it may seem to us at the time third forgiveness at least for at least on our ends if we want to be forgiven it requires repentance it's not automatic forgiveness is not automatically given to me now, on the contrary, or on the other end of that, if I'm going to forgive someone, I'm going to forgive someone regardless of whether they repent to me or not. Right? But we do want to understand forgiveness given or received to me does not, is, requires repentance. It's not automatic. And lastly, the very essence of forgiveness insinuates that it is undeserved. The very essence of forgiveness insinuates that it is undeserved. It is not something that is deserved by the one being forgiven, right? So forgiveness, the four points here, again, forgiveness is not innate in nature. It's not, it does not come natural to us. Secondly, every act of forgiveness requires atonement or payment. It's not letting off the hook. Thirdly, forgiveness, at least forgiveness for me receiving, requires me to repent. And lastly, the very essence of forgiveness insinuates that it is undeserved. Now, with those understandings in hand, let's look first at Luke chapter 17. We're going to look at the first 10 verses to help us understand what Jesus is saying about forgiveness here. Luke 17, 1 through 10 says, And he said to his disciples, The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at the table? Will he not rather say to him, Prepare a supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. These 10 verses give us so many lessons. And this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time in this episode are in these 10 verses. But the first message I want to bring across is in verse 3. Jesus says, pay attention to yourselves. Pay attention to yourselves. Don't offend. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't be one that causes others to sin. And Jesus here, he really holds no punches on this remark. He said, it would be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and cast into the sea. This is serious. How are we treating our fellow man? How are we treating our brothers and sisters in Christ, but not only them. How are we treating our friends, our co-workers, those who do not know Christ? Are we treating them in a way that forces them into position where they have to forgive us? Or are we living in a way where that doesn't have to be the case? Jesus says that's important. Don't offend. Don't be a stumbling block for others. And he tells us to forgive when offended or when sinned against. So number one, Hey, don't you be a stumbling block? Don't offend people. Don't be one that causes people to sin. And secondly, when you are offended, when you are sinned against, forgive. Now, if you've ever been offended by something that someone said, or someone did, if you've ever felt that almost physical reaction in the center of who you are, when, you are offended, you understand how difficult this is. But Jesus says, hey, do it. Forgive when you are offended. Forgiveness, you see, it's the counteraction to offense. Now, let's go back to one of the earlier points. Forgiveness requires payment. It's not letting off the hook. So how do I... Reconcile, forgiveness being the counteraction to offense, with the understanding that forgiveness is not letting people off the hook. Now let's go back again to the Old Testament understanding of forgiveness. We see that forgiveness, there is atonement for every act of wrong. It requires, forgiveness requires atonement. It requires payment. My question for those of us living in the New Testament age of the church, who has provided For the atonement. We see forgiveness as lifting sins away and bearing the penalty of the sin upon oneself. Who has done this? Jesus. Jesus has provided payment for every wrong. Not only every wrong done against him, but every wrong done against you and I. So when someone has wronged me when someone has sinned against me, when someone has treated me poorly and offended me, I can forgive freely because the penalty or the payment of that forgiveness has already been made by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can forgive when we are wronged and we place it all on Jesus. He has taken it upon himself. We can forgive because he has forgiven our ability to forgive is absolutely dependent upon Jesus' forgiveness toward us. That's how, we, that's how it's possible. Well, how can I forgive them? They wronged me. They offended me. They said something. They did something. I deserve justice. I demand justice. How, how, do, I, how do I forgive in those moments? Well, I, I forgive in those moments because I remember that Jesus has taken all the wrong upon himself because he has taken the penalty for every wrong, I am free to forgive. I don't have to hold it against anyone. And I don't have to demand payment from anyone because that payment has already been made. And so then in verse 5, the disciples respond with, Lord, help us to forgive better. No, that's, that's not what they say. Lord, Lord, help me to love people more so that I can forgive them. No, that's not what he said either. Lord, help, give me more wisdom so we can discern if they are truly repentant or not. I don't want to forgive them if they're not truly repentant. So, so Lord, give us more wisdom to discern. No, they, they didn't ask for any of these things. They asked, Lord, increase our faith. And to show how difficult it is to not be offended and to forgive. Right? None of this is to say any of this is easy. But to show how difficult it is to not be offended and to forgive, this is the only time in scripture that the disciples request for a spiritual something from Jesus while he was on the earth. Lord, increase our faith because you're telling me to forgive when I'm sinned against I can't do it in and of myself. That's not possible. Lord, you're telling me to forgive people when when they've wronged me. You're telling me to to forgive them when they've said something about me. You're telling me to forgive them when they've hurt me very badly. Lord, increase my faith so I can make that so that is possible. So Jesus, and, and then the interesting thing here is Jesus replies not by agreeing that they need more faith. He's like, okay, okay, boys, you got it. I I will give you more faith. Thank you for asking. This was the point of the lesson. I wanted you to get to this point where you were asking for me to give you more faith. No, that's not what he said. He said, no, you don't need more faith. You need to exercise the faith that you already have. Jesus' response was, put your faith in action. Lord, increase our faith. Okay, well, the faith that you have, put it in action. And thus we see that forgiveness is faith in action. You see, faith that Jesus is not asking us to allow ourselves to be taken advantage of. Or wronged without recompense, but that Jesus has taken the wrong upon himself. So I can loose myself. I can free myself from the burden of offense. That's what this faith in action looks like when it comes to forgiveness. It is faith that he's not asking us to be, to allow ourselves to be taken advantage of. And he's not asking us to, to, to be doormats where people can walk all over us. He is asking us to just put our faith in action and and know within our hearts and know within ourselves that, hey, you know, this person has wronged me, but the payment for this wrong to me has already been made by Jesus. So I'm going to, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to forgive. I am going to forgive. I am going to forgive. In verse seven through 10, Jesus gives the story of this, the servant, the servant who is working all day out in the field. He's plowing or he's keeping sheep. And Jesus says, hey, you know, when, when that servant comes in, if, if we are the, the, say, the master in this situation and that servant comes in, are we going to give that servant a break? He says, no, he's, we're going to, we're going to say, prepare supper for me and serve me while I eat and drink. And then you can eat and drink. Now this parable is, is from the servant's perspective. We're going to see that at the end. We see three things here. We see the servant is not going to eat when the master is not eaten. The point is the servant is completely at the bidding of the master. And thirdly, we see that the servant does not deserve special thanks for simply doing his duty. And it is in verse 10 that it all comes together. Right In this parable, we see the servant, he's just doing his job. He's doing what is commanded of him by his master. He's going out, he's plowing the fields. He's going out, he's keeping the sheep. He's coming in, he's preparing supper. He's coming in and serving the master while the master eats. And in verse 10, it's, it all comes together. For us, Jesus said, so you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say we are unworthy servants. We have only done what, is our, what was our duty? Now, the Greek for this word unprofitable or unworthy, depending on what translation you're reading, but it really means with, without need, meaning no one owes us anything. And so if we put ourselves in the position of the servant in this parable, And we realize that everything we do for the Lord, our service, our obedience, in this sense, our forgiveness of people, of others who have wronged us, our obedience to the Lord does not grant us any deserved gift from him. There is nothing that you and I could do to deserve anything from our God in heaven. There is nothing that we can do to put ourselves in a place of deserving anything. We see ourselves simply as unworthy servants. Lord, we are just unworthy servants. We don't even, we're we're not even deserving of of, of any worth before you, but Lord, we are your servants. We are doing what you command of us. You see, this is the same tension we see in Paul saying that faith is not through works. And then James saying faith without works is, is dead. Our, Our job and our role in life is to obey the master, that is Jesus. And yet, at the same time, our obedience does not give us any special favor in his eyes. Our entire standing before the Lord is through the blood of Jesus. So you see, forgiving people is simply part of our faithful daily service to God. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll feel special, especially proud of ourselves, right? Look, look what I did, God, that person, they, they, they did this thing and it hurt me really bad, but Jesus, I did what you told me to. I I, I forgave them. I let it go. I released them. Look at me. But what Jesus tells us here in the verse seven and 10 of Luke 17 is that when you're doing simply what you're commanded to do. There's no special praise because it does not put you in any special position before the Lord. Our works do not put us in a special position before God. Our worthiness and our place of standing before God comes only through Jesus. Any gift we receive from God is an act of grace, period. We are undeserving of any good gift from God. We have only done what was our duty. When we forgive, when we love people, when we walk according to the commandments of scripture, when we walk in this life in in a way that is pleasing before him, at the end of it all, we're just going to say, God, we were only doing what was our duty. We are unworthy before you. All worthiness comes through Jesus. In Matthew 18, this concept of forgiveness comes up again. In verse 21, Peter came up to Jesus and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, and then Jesus proceeds to tell a parable. But the message that I want to bring out is that we forgive because we are forgiven. Each one of us, if you are listening to this and you have received Christ as your Savior and you've received the forgiveness through the blood of Jesus, we have been forgiven a debt greater than we could ever repay. We have been been forgiven an eternal debt to the master and the king of the universe. We have been forgiven of eternal debts. Everything that happens to you and me in this life is temporal. When someone says something about you and it hurts you, that's temporal. When someone does something to you and it hurts you, that's temporal. Meaning it does not mean anything outside of this life. And so God, who has forgiven us of eternal debts is simply asking us to forgive others of temporal debts. We forgive these temporal debts because we have been forgiven of eternal debts. Now notice that here in this parable, the, the king who was forgiving, he was taking the cost of forgiveness upon himself. It was not an ignoring that a debt was owed or that a wrong was committed. It was very clear. He said, hey, you owe me this. So when he forgave him that debt, he was taking the cost of that debt upon himself. Again, that's not the first time we've heard that this this episode, but forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook, but forgiveness every time requires payment. And so I just want to say this again. This is where Jesus comes into the picture. Every wrong that has been done to you and me, it requires payment but that payment has been made by Jesus himself. He has taken the cost of forgiveness upon himself. And we can even see this message of forgiveness at the end. He said, Hey, if you don't forgive, my heavenly father's not going to forgive you. We see that in the Lord's prayer, right? What, What do we pray in the Lord's prayer? But our father, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, as we also forgive those who trespass or who are indebted to us. Forgive us as we forgive. That's a a scary prayer. But forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is commanded. Forgiveness is only possible through the grace of Jesus working in us and through us towards that other person. Now let's look at Luke chapter 7. Now, I'm only going to read verse 41 and 42, but I want us to understand what is happening in the context of those two verses. Jesus had gone to Simon's house, not Simon the disciple, but a a Pharisee, Simon's house to eat with him. And while they were there, a woman of the city who was very well known, had a reputation for being a sinner, came in and, and broke a flask of ointment and and. You know, wet his feet with her tears, wiped them with the with her hair, kissed his feet, anointed his his feet, and so the Pharisees and Simon are standing here watching this, and Simon, the Pharisee, he said, "Boy, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is." If, if, if Jesus really was who he said he is, he would know that this woman is a sinner. She is a bad person. How in the world, why is he letting her do this to him? And so Jesus brings this small parable in verse 41 and 42 in response to this thought process from the others. He said, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? I want us to understand that the forgiveness is not dependent upon the one being forgiven's ability to give anything. Right? And this, both in this one and the the Matthew 18, right? The, The people being forgiven, they could not pay. You know, in, in Matthew 18, hey, I, I, owe, I owe you years of wages. I can't pay you this. Here in Luke 7, 41, one owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. I, I can't pay this. And yet forgiveness was not withheld because of lack of payment. It's not dependent upon the one being forgiven's ability to give anything. And the issue in this parable is not the amount of sin But the awareness of sin, the woman's awareness of her guilt, right? This woman, she came in, she broke this flask of oil over the feet of Jesus. She anointed his feet. This woman's awareness of her guilt, of her sin, is placed in juxtaposition with Simon the Pharisee's lack of awareness of his sin. Right? This woman came in, she knew she knew who she was. She was aware that she was a sinner. And she came in humbly and at the feet of Jesus, anointed his feet. And Simon is over here. Oh, she is a sinner. If Jesus would know who he is letting touch her not, and not aware that he himself was just as guilty in the eyes of the father as that woman. So the issue in forgiveness is not the amount of wrong, but the awareness of wrong and what happens is forgiveness awakens a love for God within our hearts that happens when we are forgiven and when we realize what we are forgiven of but it also happens when we forgive others i don't think alexander pope was too far off when he said to err is human to forgive divine Forgiveness does not come natural for us. It's not innate in our nature. It requires the assistance of the Holy Spirit working through us and within us. But just because forgiveness is not innate in our nature, and just because forgiveness does not come easy, does not make it less commanded. We are standing before Jesus. And Lord, we are only unworthy servants. We have only done what is commanded of us. That's all forgiveness is. It's not letting off the hook. Jesus has paid. And so I am free to forgive. I don't have to demand anything from anyone. I can forgive and no, That payment has been made by the eternal King of the universe. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word today. Lord, forgiveness is really hard because forgiveness means that I've been hurt. Forgiveness means that I've had wrong done to me. And so Lord, I pray for anyone listening who has anything that they need to forgive lord you would give us the strength to forgive and know that you have taken the payment the penalty of that wrongdoing upon yourself so that frees me to forgive and so help us to do exactly that in jesus name amen